Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. You're with The Takeaway. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry. Thanks for being with us. We begin by returning to Atlanta, Georgia, where demonstrators took to the streets over the weekend in protest. And although the majority of those who protested assembled without incident, a small group of demonstrators threw rocks and lit fireworks, smashed windows, and damaged property. Seven people were arrested during the protests, and some were charged with aggravated assault against law enforcement and with domestic terrorism. Now, these demonstrations are all part of a story that we brought you last week about a nearly two-year battle against building a $90 million police training facility known as Cop City. Now, you'll remember that Cop City is a training facility for police that the Atlanta City Council approved back in 2021, and it's slated to be built on 85 acres of forest land in unincorporated DeKalb County, just south of Atlanta. In an effort to halt the development of Cop City, a group of activists known as Forest Defenders have occupied the area for months. And they've been subject to multiple police raids during that time. On Wednesday, one of those raids turned violent. Police shot and killed 26-year-old Manuel Tran, who's known as Tortuguita by their friends and community. In the wake of this killing and of this weekend's protests, we sat down again with two guests who joined us last week. My name is Sean, and I'm a participant in the movement to defend the Atlanta forest. My name is Kamal Franklin, founder of Community Movement Builders and organizer against Cop City. Sean, I want to begin with you. Can you just tell me sort of what you know about what happened and and how you're feeling? Yes, it's been a very hard week for a lot of people, uh, myself included. Yeah, there's been an escalation, continuing escalation on behalf of the police against forest defenders, and there's been numerous raids on the forest in the past with heavily armed police with the guns drawn throughout the woods. And that kind of gave people the fear that they would use these guns against forest defenders. They had already used uh, pepper balls and rubber bullets. And uh, from what I have been able to gather from Wednesday, there was no witnesses to the incident in which Tortuguita was shot and killed, other than the police. I want to ask you the same thing about what you know about what happened and how you're feeling right now. I'll start with the latter question. I think not just me, but many folks who I've talked to, you know, feel horrified at what took place. Uh, The killing of this young organizer, activist, the fact that the city, the county, and the state, and now the federal government has pursued this policy of criminalizing protesters, um, overcharging protesters, and creating a narrative that suggests the protesters are dangerous in response, actually, to the fact that it is the police um, who have been a danger to the larger community, which is why we knew right away that we would want to protest uh, Cop City. Uh, The little information that Sean mentioned that we know from the incident is all directed by the narrative that the police have given to us. 
Um, we should point out that uh, although the idea that this task force included the Atlanta City Police, the Cap County Police, a SWAT team, uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, state troopers, and from some news reports, even the FBI, there is not one agency that had body cam footage <laughs> of what took place. And the city of Atlanta police are required to have body cam on when they're interacting with the public. But yet we have no body cam image whatsoever. The only narrative we have is the police narrative. And the only thing we really do know is what the police have said. Um, and so this is all we know. It's, we don't know at what angle Tortuguita was shot, how many times uh, they were shot. None of this information has been made public. Um, and that's why we're demanding an independent investigation other than what the police are saying. Sean, did you know Manuel? I knew Tortuguita in passing and by legend almost as someone mm -hmm. who had, you know, very bravely broadcast themselves in a tree sit while they were being fired at with rubber bullets and pepper balls from below uh, and stayed in the tree and not come down despite this uh, onslaught of police violence against them. Sean, were you in the forest when it was raided on that day or have you been there when it's been raided on, on any of the days? Yeah. So the Atlanta forest, the Wulani forest in question, it's hundreds of acres of woods with roads bounding it on all sides and creek that runs through it. It's fairly wide creek. And so on a, a normal day, you can find a few dozen people uh, on the ground throughout the forest in various tree sits or camps. Usually when there's a big raid happening of police, there's kind of uh, early indications of like a helicopter flying over these kinds of things. And then uh, people prepare as best they can, you know, by either uh, making sure they're up in tree sits or uh, evacuating the area. Um, and so when, you know, a raid is happening, there's hundreds of acres and there's police kind of combed out, fanning through all of it. Uh, a lot of times they're just destroying all material and infrastructure they can find, wrecking people's tents, slashing tarps, uh, destroying water, uh, destroying cooking equipment, destroying food, just kind of having these, you know, very uh, aggressive reactions to, to just basic encampments. Talk to me about the response of the city to this killing. I mean, I think the the city and, and, and you know, it's, uh, I think at best you could say one police car was burning, not the city of Atlanta. <laughs> but I think the response of uh, the city has been their response since the very beginning of protest. And so what seems to be underreported is that even at the beginning of the protest against Cop City, when people were doing demonstrations and marches on city sidewalks, um, we would have at the end of those demonstrations, police uh, jumping in the middle of them and arresting people uh, for just standing or talking after demonstrations. And they've come in during demonstrations. They've used pepper spray. They've violently thrown people to the ground. Folks have been arrested. This is pre the charges of domestic terrorism, but still charges of disorderly conduct, resisting arrests, threats after the arrest of loss of paperwork if people didn't cooperate. Um, and so the tactics of the police have been violent towards the protesters since the very beginning. 
But unfortunately, this has gone underreported or not reported as violence and scare tactics used against protesters. Um, and so as the, the, the cop city idea passed um, and the brave forest defenders, the people who decided to do acts of civil disobedience and direct action by taking up space in the forest, the, the police and again, the various agencies have only stepped up their tactics to the point where, as was stated, they're using not only rubber bullets and pepper balls, but now live ammunition. Um, and they're using the tactics of overcharging, in fact, arresting at all and putting out uh, scary press releases to the media um, about terrorists, which again, as Sean stated, is only meant to criminalize the movement, to scare people off um, and to make it so that they can build this monstrosity that no one in the city of Atlanta asked for um, without there being legitimate uh, protest against it. Okay, we've got more on the protests in Atlanta about the construction of Cop City right after this. About 600,000 people go missing every year in the U.S., prompting family members to become amateur detectives. On the trail of one missing person is journalist Tanya Mosley. Why do you think you hesitated when we first met in telling me the full details about your mother's disappearance? It's heartbreaking. I didn't want to break your heart. I'm Kai Wright. Tanya Mosley joins me next time on Notes from America. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back with more on this weekend's protests in Atlanta, all connected to the issue of building Cop City. We're talking with two organizers, Kamal Franklin and Sean. Kamal, there's a fairly strong counter-narrative that these protesters are actually not residents of Atlanta or of surrounding communities, that they are out-of-state agitators. Uh, How would you respond to that? Well, I think it's very interesting that the language of calling people outside troublemakers is continually used and as outsiders. These are the same officials who last week were honoring Dr. King, who continually honor the civil rights movement, who honor freedom riders, people who traveled all across the country to protest against acts of 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 civil rights violations, illegal law or laws that were immoral. Um, and ordinances that were immoral from the deep south up to the, the, the north. These types of interventions were happening in the 50s and 60s. And now these people are celebrated, uh, although these people are invoking the same language as Southern segregationists to deride actions of civil disobedience and protest against what people find to be immoral laws against city, state, county, and sometimes federal governments. So I think I think it's a complete misnomer for anyone to take that language seriously. The movement against Cop City is diverse. It is people local to Atlanta and the surrounding areas. Um, it is people who come outside to express their First Amendment rights to protest in Atlanta, as they should do. So we think that language is really 
uh, just a way to, again, use language which is meant to, to criminalize or make people feel like they're outsiders or to make, make people seem like they're outsiders. Um, and it's the very language taken from Southern segregationists when they wanted to be negative around civil rights actions in the 50s and 60s. We also spoke again with at-large city council member Michael Julian Bond, who supports the construction of Cop City. When you begin to commit acts of violence, I mean, you go back to the, the, the civil rights movement of the 50s, 60s, early 70s, and those who were leading that movement, you know, whether it's Dr. King, uh, members of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, you know, Stokely Carmichael, H. Rap Brown, even H. Rap Brown, they never threw bricks. They never set anything on fire. They never damaged property, you know. And of course, those who inspired them, for Dr. King, the nonviolent movement, going back to Mahatma Gandhi, they never threw bricks. They they never committed acts of violence, and they 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 changed the nation, and ultimately. Uh, those teachings and practices change the world. So, uh, I you know I don't condone uh, that at all or, or what they did. Uh, so I, I I believe that when they began to commit those acts, that uh, they they ceased from being uh, act legitimate activists and, and demonstrators, and they became criminals. They 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 committed criminal acts, uh, which takes away from the reason that they're protesting in the first place. It diminishes it. Now we're gonna continue to follow this developing story out of Atlanta. And remember, you can always go back and check out our earlier coverage of the protests of Cop City at thetakeaway.org. 